Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Good morning. It's good to see you all. As we get started this morning, I want to invite you to think about uh, those things that already today you have relied on. I know for me, I relied on my radio clock alarm. Maybe you did as well, or your phone or something else would get you up at the right time. We rely on a lot of things. We probably relied already this morning on uh, the gas in our car to actually have the power in it that it's supposed to. We relied on reliable transportation. We assumed or relied on the fact that the roads would be open as we made our way here. There's so much subconsciously that we assume is going to work for us or maybe that we actively rely on. Maybe you relied on a cup or two of coffee this morning. Uh, That was me as well. This morning we're going to be thinking about those things and really those people or that person we rely on as we continue our series through our covenant affirmations, these statements of our shared beliefs and affirmations that give common language to our beliefs and intents as an evangelical covenant church. And during this series, we've used the image, we've used uh, the idea of growing a bonsai tree as a way of illustrating these affirmations Because the art and the practice, the patience, the care of growing a bonsai tree reminds us that this really, this Christian life, this act of gathering together as a covenant church uh, is an art. It's a practice. There's process. There's intentionality for us as we live out our identity, not just as covenanters, but as followers of Jesus Christ. As we've said, it's one thing to be able to recognize a bonsai tree It's another to grow one. And we realize that actually what makes a bonsai a bonsai actually has more to do with the practices and what is done to it and with it uh, than the particular kind of tree that it is. And so these statements, these shared affirmations guide our commitments and our choices and our behaviors because being a covenant church isn't just a label, it's a practice and a process. So let's look again at this interaction between what we affirm and what we do as we review the covenant affirmations that we've explored so far. We affirm the centrality of the word of God. And so we keep God's word central in our lives as individuals and in our corporate life together as the body of Christ. We affirm the necessity of new birth through faith in Jesus Christ. And we affirm our need to continually open up our lives to God's renewing and restoring, sanctifying work within us. We affirm the whole mission of the church, and we engage that mission together as the body of Christ, working at it wholeheartedly and with commitment and joy, not leaving any piece of it undone, even when that work gets hard. And then last week we explored that we affirm the church as a, as a fellowship of believers, And so as this fellowship, we stay connected to each other. We recognize that it actually takes all of us to represent and reflect the body of Christ. 
And as I've said, these affirmations should lead us to action, to practices. These aren't just statements. These are part of our process together. And so we should get going. And we should pause before we should get going. And before we dive into these practices, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. As we engage in these practices of being the church, the body that's called us to be, whose strength are we operating on? And whose wisdom is guiding us? Those are really important questions as we dive into our life together. And it's our fifth shared affirmation that really helps keep us on track here. Because as covenanters, we affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. We rely on God's Holy Spirit in all that we do. And just like the other affirmations, this one has practices attached to it. And in this case, the practices are really fully obvious. Because if we're saying we have a conscious dependence on Holy, the Holy Spirit, then what we do is depend consciously on God's Holy Spirit. We rely on God's Spirit constantly and intentionally and attentively. We can't consciously depend on the Holy Spirit without actually doing it. And it's not an accidental or an incidental dependence. And it's here that we actually come face to face with one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith and the Christian life. Because Jesus calls us to action. He calls us to love God and love our neighbor with all that we have. He calls us to pour ourselves out, to pick up our crosses and to follow him. It's an active faith. A disciple is one who is disciplined. Disciplined to live out a certain set of actions laid out for us by our master Jesus Christ. And so this followership takes our strength and resolve and our action but somehow, and at times somewhat mysteriously, as we do these things, it's actually not our power that we're exerting. It's not our strength that is at work in us. We rely on God's strength and God's power because we recognize if it were up to us, if it were on our own strength and in our own wisdom, we would so, in so many ways fall woefully short of what God calls us to do. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in his letter to the Colossian Christians. Paul writes, I work and struggle so hard, depending on, God's, on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Paul says, I'm working really hard. I am giving it my all. I use all my strength. I'm pouring myself out. And I realize that everything coming out of me is Christ's power. It's Christ's power that's truly at work in me. And Paul can be certain that it's the power of Christ working within him because he knows for certain that the spirit of Christ is living within him. And this is the mystery and the promise that Jesus shared with his disciples shortly before his crucifixion from the account that we heard read earlier from John chapter 14. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, Jesus was about to physically depart from his friends. 
He knew that what lay ahead of him was the cross and the tomb and heaven in a resurrected body. He knew he was leaving them, but he said, I won't leave you alone. He would ask the Father, and God the Father would send to his friends the spirit of truth who would be with them and within them forever, Jesus said. And this promise came to fulfillment when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost. In Acts chapter two, we read that on that day, as the disciples and believers were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound coming from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the arrival of the one whom Jesus had called another advocate who was promised to come to them. And Jesus says another advocate because while he was with them, he had been their advocate. Advocate is one English translation of the Greek word paraclete that appears here in the New Testament. In English, an advocate is someone who defends or maintains a cause, someone who supports or promotes the interests of a group, or one who pleads the cause of another. And we see that with all these definitions, these are such fitting and apt descriptions of what God's Holy Spirit does in the life of the Christian and in the body of Christ. We know that the Holy Spirit defends the cause of Christ and maintains us as Christ's followers in our kingdom mission. We know that the Spirit supports and empowers the interests of the body of Christ, in particular when our interests are others-focused. And the Holy Spirit pleads our cause before our merciful and generous Heavenly Father. Paul writes in the book of Romans that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. This Greek word paraclete has at different times and in different places been translated as advocate or counselor or helper. And those all sound like really great things. It would be wonderful to have this paraclete on our side. And Jesus saying that's exactly the promise that we have. Jesus says, not only will you never be alone, but the one I am sending, this paraclete, will be with you and is for you. God's Holy Spirit truly knows the will of the Father for us and always has our best intentions in mind. And so because of that, we know that sometimes the Spirit is going to convict us and correct us and rebuke us and stop us in our tracks. It's not always easy. It doesn't always feel pleasant when we have this advocate working in us and for us. But we can trust that the Spirit's work is always motivated by love because the Spirit is God and God is love. God's Spirit will teach us 
counsel us and guide us. In the account from John 14, Jesus goes on to tell his friends, all this I have spoken while I am still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now Jesus had spent a lot of time with his friends, about three years in active ministry, and during that time he had shown them a lot of things. He had taught a lot of things. He had said and taught way more than they could possibly remember. And there were things that perhaps Jesus hadn't talked about or taught. And Jesus told them, don't worry. The one I'm sending you is going to remind you of what I've taught you at just the right time. You're going to remember, the Spirit will help you remember everything you need to know. And the Spirit will teach you everything you need to know as you encounter things that maybe I didn't have a chance to tell you about. And because of all of this, they would experience what Jesus calls an otherworldly peace. And these promises are for us as well. Our second affirmation talks about the necessity of new birth in Jesus Christ. And the promise of Jesus is that all those who are born again from above will receive the Holy Spirit who comes from above. And one of the works of God's Holy Spirit living in us is actually to convince us and remind us, yes, I am here. I am with you. I am within you. You are not alone. And this, our fifth affirmation, reminds us to then actively rely on God's Spirit who is within us. We call this a conscious dependence on God's Holy Spirit. I think that's an important choice of words. I think about the spare tire and the jack I have in my car. I think they're in my car. Because um, I don't really think about them. I, I very subconsciously depend on those things and really don't think about them unless I need them, and then I'm really glad that they're there. And it's not a great analogy, but uh, that's not the kind of dependence we're supposed to have on God's Spirit. It's closer, but again, not a great analogy, to think about how I much more consciously rely on the steering wheel to turn my wheels the way I'm wanting to go. That's a much more active and conscious reliance. Again, not a great analogy because we don't steer the Holy Spirit the way we want the Spirit to go. We allow ourselves, we submit ourselves to be led and steered by God's Spirit working within us. We consciously depend on the Holy Spirit. We say it's an intentional conscious, continuous dependence that's meant to be ingrained more and more deeply within us. First of all, we consciously depend on the Holy Spirit for our very salvation because we know we cannot save ourselves. And God's word actually says we don't even desire to be saved without God's Spirit first stirring up in us that desire. One of the de denominational resources written on our covenant affirmations puts it this way. The Holy Spirit is the central actor in the drama of salvation. 
the creator of hunger for Christ's life and the fulfiller of that hunger. We can't possibly save ourselves, and so we cast ourselves on the mercy of a forgiving God and ask God through Jesus Christ to send his spirit to save us, to renew us, to transform us from the inside out. It's God's spirit who calls us away from a life that is actually death, from a life steeped and caught in sin and toward the gift of saving faith in Jesus. And then as those who have been saved from sin and death through Jesus Christ, we continue to consciously depend on the Holy Spirit as we come to God's word and seek to encounter God through the Bible, through the scriptures. I mentioned several weeks ago that the Covenant Church places itself within what's called a Reformed tradition, the Reformed branch of the Universal Church, and that we emphasize that God's word is powerful and God's word, in fact, cannot really be separated from the work of God's spirit. It's a Reformation idea that the word and spirit are inseparable. It's the spirit of God who brings any life or effectiveness to the preaching of God's word, to the study of God's word, to the teaching of God's word. And as we encounter God through his word, it's the spirit who allows us to conform ourselves to what we see and read there. And while we, leave, while we live on this side of eternity, that process will never change of coming to God's word and being shaped and honed by God's spirit. We'll never quite get to a perfect reflection of Christ until we see him face to face. And our mission as Christians that we find in God's word will never be fully complete until that day either. And so as Christians, we consciously depend on the Holy Spirit to live out the mission we've been given. Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the reason Jesus could say, I'll always be with you, even though he knew he'd soon be leaving his friends, was that his spirit would live in them. His spirit would be with them and within them, not solely as a comforting presence, but certainly that, but more than anything, as an empowering person. God himself would come to rest on and live within the people God created in God's image. God himself would be working powerfully through the church to continue the mission engaged by Jesus and given by Jesus to those who followed him. So friends, if we are truly going to be people who are consciously depending on the Holy Spirit, I think we're going to be praying a lot. And I think our prayers will include, yes, some of our words, but also a lot of listening listening for the response, the movement, the speaking of God's Holy Spirit within us. I think we're gonna be people who regularly and intently study God's word with an expectation that God's spirit will teach us and guide us and shape us through that encounter. That God's spirit will reveal truth and wisdom and direction for our lives as we come to God's word. And we're going to rely on God's spirit 
for the ministry that God has called us to. Our reliance will be conscious, not accidental, not as a last-ditch effort. As a body of Christ, we've been given a lot to do. And Jesus reminds us we are not on our own. We have each other. We affirmed that last week as we said we are in a fellowship of believers. We have a body of diverse gifts, and that is a beautiful thing. We have Christ who goes before us and beside us and behind us. And we have the spirit of Christ himself living within us. We can depend on the Holy Spirit who has proven not just in God's word, but in our lives and the lives of the people around us, proven to be dependable and faithful. We can rely on him and we need to rely on him because in our own power, in our own strength, we're pretty small. But God has never really relied on the power of people. Even though we are amazingly and beautifully created in the very image of God, God doesn't rely on us to live out and complete the mission we've been given. We're called to engage it and complete it by the power God gives us. And this has always been God's plan. In the Old Testament book of Zechariah, when God's people were calling out to their God for relief from their enemies, calling out for the restoration of Jerusalem, God told them that deliverance would come, but that it would come not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Friends, the spirit of God is here with us, beside us, and within us. God's spirit is here among us. And my prayer is that we would, we would grow in our awareness of the spirit and especially in our, our conscious reliance on him. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, we thank you for uniting us to one another and to your son, Jesus. And we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, teach us to rely on the Spirit so that we might bear spiritual fruit by the Spirit's power at work in us. May your Spirit guide us as we, as we seek to live the way that Jesus taught us. We pray that you would make us people spirit-driven, spirit-led. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.